ask for your help. I can't help anyone tonight, Father. I need you to speak through me. And Lord, I ask that you just help me to uh, clear my mind and to be able to preach your word, Father. As we look at this Bible study tonight, I pray that you would help all of us to just not be focused on the things of this world, not be focused on what's going on today or what happened during the day or what we need to do tomorrow, but to just be in the moment right now and let your Holy Spirit speak through your word. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, we're there in Exodus chapter number uh, 3, and we're preaching through uh, the book of Exodus. Just started a few weeks back, and specifically preaching through the life of Moses. And we find here in chapter 3, I like to refer to chapter 3, chapter 4, as, as when God called Moses. God called Moses, and there's just a few things I'd like you to see from this passage. If you look at verse 1, it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Point number one is this. I just want to give you, I think I have one, two, three, four, uh, four, four points, four things I'd like you to see from this passage tonight. Point number one is this. I'd like you to see God's call. God's call. You see, the Bible tells us there that uh, God led him to the backside of the desert, and he came to the, and he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Now, verse one, I don't, I don't want you to just... Passed by that. It's so easy. And this is really why we must be students of the Bible and read the Bible. Because it's so easy to just read a verse and just kind of read through it. And I really understand what that verse is talking about or what that verse implies. But as we study and we read the entire Bible, uh, we can find, you know, that the Bible is its own commentary. And I told you last week, if you look at verse 23 of the previous chapter, the Bible says, And it came to pass in process of time. One of the things that God gave Moses was that He gave him time. Remember, we were talking about last week how Moses left Egypt, which represents the world, and when he left the world, uh, he gave him a new identity, and he gave him a new family, and he gave him a new ministry, but one of the things that he gave him was time. The Bible tells in verse 23 that it came to pass in the process of time. God gave him much time. It says that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And the first thing I'd like you to see under the point of God's call is this, God is patient with men. God is patient with men. And often when God is going to use a man, He's very patient and very slow uh, because He wants to make sure that when He uses somebody, He's using somebody that's prepared for the task. Now keep your finger there in Exodus chapter 3 because obviously that's our text for tonight. But I'd like you to just very quickly go with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter number 7. Acts chapter number 7. And I'd like you to look at verse number 29. Acts 7.29 In Acts 7, we find that we're given a commentary of the Old Testament. And in Acts 7, if you look at verse number 29, the Bible kind of sheds some light on this time frame, this process of time that God gave Moses. And in Acts 7.29, the Bible says, Then fled Moses at this saying. Actually, look uh, look at verse 28. 
Or verse 27. Remember when it says, But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and judge over us? Remember, Moses uh, killed a man, and then the next day he went to help his uh, brethren who were fighting, and the one who was doing wrong, the Bible says, he pushed him away, and he said, Who made thee a ruler over us? Look at verse 28. Wilt thou kill me as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? So what the man said to Moses after, you know, the day after he killed a, a man defending the Hebrews, by the way. Verse 29. Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in the land of Midian, where he begat two sons. Look at verse 30. I don't want you to miss it. And when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in the flame of fire in a bush. So here's what you got to understand, okay? Chapter 2 is the story of Exodus is a story where Moses killed a man and defending the, the, the Hebrew and then, you know, the next day he was splitting up a fight and they said, you know, uh, you know who made you a prince over us? That's chapter 2. Chapter 3 is when God appears in, in the burning bush. But according to Exodus chapter 7 verse 29, the Bible tells us that Moses fled at this saying and was a stranger in the land of Midian where he begat two sons, chapter 2 of Exodus, chapter 3 verse 30, and when 40 years were expired, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel Lord in the flame of fire to bush. So here's what you gotta understand. When the Bible tells us in, in the last verses of chapter 2 that in the process of time that's very easy for us to read and we think the process of time, what was that? Three months? Four months? Six months? A year? Two years? But Acts 7 tells us that that was 40 years. 40 years went by from when Moses fled Egypt to the point where God appeared to him in the burning bush. Now, the, the number there, 40 years, is a very interesting number because if you're there in Acts chapter 7, look at verse number 21. Acts 7, 21. Actually, look at verse 20. Look what it says. In which time Moses was born, and was exceeding fair, and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom. Notice what it says. Moses was learned in all the wisdom, look what it says, of the Egyptians. Okay? Remember, Egypt in the Bible represents the world. That's not a positive statement. The Bible says that Moses was learned in the wisdom of the world. He was learned in the wisdom of Egypt, of the Egyptians. Look what it says. And was mighty and word indeed. Look at verse 23. And he was full 40 years old. It came into, And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. So here's what you understand. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt. 40 years in the schools of Egypt. 40 years in the college of Egypt. 40 years living in the world of Egypt. Living as a prince of Egypt. Uh, he spent 40 years learning all the wisdom of Egypt, of this world. And then God turns around and God, you know, causes him to forsake Egypt. And, and here's what God did. And I think it's an illustration of the Bible. God said, Moses, you spent 40 years learning the world. I'm going to spend 40 years uh, taking you out of Egypt. He said, you spent 40 years in Egypt, I'm going to spend 40 years taking Egypt out of you. He said, you spent 40 years in the world, I'm going to spend 40 years taking e uh, the world out of you. Now, I'm not trying to say this, you know, if you're thinking, yourself, well, I got saved when I was in my 20s, does that mean that God's going to wait 20 years before, uh, you know, He can use me or whatever. That's, that's not what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is this, 
God wants to invest time in making sure that He's using people that are coming out of this world and have stayed out of this world and He wants to remove the wisdom of this world. See, people today have no idea the philosophy of the Bible, the mind of God. That's what church is about. That's why we preach sermons like we did on Sunday morning. What we're teaching, you know, to, to some of us who grew up in church, it may seem like very logical, you know, things like you're teaching us about money, you know, but we're, I, I, you know, I don't know how many verses I went to on Sunday morning, but I'm, I, I went to a lot of verses. I don't even notice that. And, and you say, well, why do you teach them like that? Because our world has this, our people in the world have a wrong philosophy about everything. They have a wrong philosophy about raising children. They have a wrong philosophy about money. They have a wrong philosophy about dating. They have a wrong philosophy about work ethic. They have a wrong philosophy about addictions. They, have a, they, they don't understand any. Everything that man comes up with is anti-God. So you say, well, what are we going to do? Well, we got to spend time. Because see, you've lived in the world. You've been in the world. Now we got to take time taking the world out of you. You say, why? Because, Moses, when God feels like He's ready, and you've got But he's very patient. Moses was learning all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Moses spent 40 years in Egypt, in the world. And God needed to spend 40 years taking Egypt out of Moses so he could use them. Not only that, look at, look at Exodus 3 again. You can go back to Exodus chapter 3. We might come back to Acts 7, but that's easy to find. Exodus 3, look at verse 1. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. The Bible tells us that the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses, but he appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he, referring to Moses, looked, and behold, the bush turned with fire. No, I'm sorry, the bush burned with fire. And the bush was not consumed. So this is a, a miracle. You know, you take, you take a piece of wood and, and you set fire to it, that piece of wood is going to begin to burn. But this bush was caught on fire and it wasn't being consumed. It, wasn't, it was burning, but it wasn't, you know, being destroyed. Look at verse 3. And Moses said, I will now turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. Now, verse 4, I believe, is a very interesting verse. Because, you know, we're, we're told the story as kids growing up or whatever, you know, you hear the story and you hear that uh, Moses saw the burning bush and he went to see the burning bush, it was burning and it was not consumed, and that God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. And that's true, we'll see that here in a second. But in verse 4 of the Bible, it's very interesting because, you know, we believe the King James Bible is God's perfect word. We believe that everything in it is there for a reason. God has put every single word. Nothing is in there for fluff. It's in there to edify us, to teach us. And in verse 4, the Bible says this, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside. Now the he there is referring to Moses. So when the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. Now here's what you understand. What I, what I gather from that verse is this. God only called Moses out of the midst of the bush when God saw that Moses turned aside to see. When it comes to God's call, yes, God is patient, but God is also drawing men. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in the burning bush, but only when Moses turned to see the bush did God speak to him. Do you understand that? 
Moses would have just seen the bush, but not said, I'm going to go see, see what that's about. He just would have noticed it and kept walking. God wouldn't have talked to him. The only reason that God, look at verse 4 again. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. And what I'm trying to say is this. God is constantly drawing men. God is trying to draw people's attention. But here's the thing. God, here's what I, what I wonder. How many burning bushes have we walked by? How many times has God appeared in our life? And God has appeared in a, in a way that's miraculous. And in a way that maybe we notice and we thought, there's something different about that. Or there, there's something peculiar about that. There's something unusual about that. But, but we were just so busy. Or we were so into our own lives. We were so into what we were doing. We were so, that we didn't take the time. Like Moses said, Mo, Moses said, I will now turn aside. And see this great thing. This great sight. And the Bible says, when Moses did that, God noticed it and God said, well, Moses is coming this way. I'm going to speak to him. And I wonder how many times God appears in our lives and God wants to get our attention, but we just walk by. I wonder, and, and obviously this is in the Bible, I'm not saying this, I wonder how many times God had appeared in a burning bush and Moses hadn't noticed in those 40 years. Because verse 4 says, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside. So it's not like the bush was in his way and as Moses was walking by, God said, Hey Moses! That's not what happened. When Moses noticed the bush and said, What is this about? Then God called. But he, he was attentive. See, God's trying to draw. God's patient. He's giving us time. But He's always trying to draw men. He's trying to get our attention. And only when we give God our full attention does He call. Only when we give God our full attention to, you know, just walking by the burning bush doesn't mean God's going to call. And I just wonder how many times we walk by burning bushes. Look at verse 5. Well, actually, look at verse 4 again. And when the Lord saw that He turned aside to see, God called unto Him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. I don't know about you. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I... I, I don't know if necessarily preaching through it is one of my favorite things, but, but just reading. Chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Exodus, one of my favorite passages to read, because it's very interesting. The Bible says that when the Lord saw, verse 4 of chapter 3, when the Lord saw that He turned aside to see, God called unto Him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. Could you imagine what that was like? Hearing God call your name. Moses. Moses. And look what Moses says, and he said, Here am I. Look at verse 5. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where the, whereon thou standest is holy ground. Here's what we got to understand. See, when God calls, not only is He patient, not only is He drawing us, but God must be approached in a very reverent way. Moses was not allowed. Moses saw this bush and he said, I'm going to go see what this bush is about. But when he began to walk that way, God said, Moses, Moses. And obviously, I don't know about you, but if a bush that was on fire began to talk to me, it kind of catch me off, off guard. <laughs> this bush begins to say, hey, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. And he says, stop walking. He says, take your shoes off, Moses. He says, draw not nigh hither. He says, Moses, don't come this way. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. 
preach so much against sin and preach about being separated and being holy and being different and being clean. Why? Because when you approach God, you cannot approach Him just casually. You must approach Him in the right mindset and realize that this is God, Almighty God. And, and there is nothing special about that bush. There is nothing special about that dirt. There is nothing special about the fire or the rocks in that area. But when God showed up, He said, this is now a holy place. I don't think we understand that. Today, Christianity tries to minimize God's holiness. Today, people very irreverently refer to God. All the time I hear people say, you know, they, you, you stub your foot on, 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 the, on the door or you, you do, and people say, oh my, and they say G-O-D. Let me tell you something. Don't go around saying, oh my God. You know, just for anything. The Bible says that we should not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. God is a, a holy God. And today we have, you know, I hear Christians all the time. People, you know, uh, refer to Jesus Christ as J-C. J-C, you know, by his initials. Like as if he's some sort of a rapper or something. Let me tell you something. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. He is God Almighty God. We don't approach God. You know, you say, Pastor, why do you dress, you know, like, and look, we don't have any rules at Mary Baptist Church. You know, please understand that. But some many people say, why, is, why do you guys so, you know, you, you always have, you know, a suit on and a tie on and this and that and blah. Why do you do that? Here's why. Because God is the Holy God. And we must be very careful how we approach God. We can't says, he told them, draw not hither. He says, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Let me show you another passage that's very similar to that. Go with me to Isaiah. Isaiah is the first uh, one of the major prophets there. Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Look at, let me just show you the, the the similarities here, when God called Isaiah, look at verse 8, Isaiah 6, 8. The Bible says also, Isaiah chapter number 6 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter number 6 and verse 8. The Bible says, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? This is God speaking. And God, God speaking to himself, he says, he says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And notice, very similar to Moses, Isaiah, the Bible says, Isaiah said these words, Then said I, Here am I, Lord, send me. But I want you to notice something. If you look at, let's just begin reading at verse number 1 of chapter number 6 of Isaiah. The Bible says, In the year of King Uzziah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord, notice this is Isaiah speaking, he says, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. The Bible says, the Bible says that Isaiah saw the Lord. And he saw, here's how he saw Him. On His throne, high and lifted up. Look at verse 6. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. The twain He covered His face with. The twain He covered His feet with. And the twain He did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the doors moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled. 
is me. He said, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, the Lord sent me. Here's what I want you to understand. Every time in the Bible when people got a good look at God, they did not approach Him casually. They did not approach Him haphazardly. When Isaiah saw God, his response was, Woe is me! He said, I am a sinful man. I am undone. I have unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And it was the same thing with Moses. Go back to Exodus. When, he's, when Moses saw him, when Moses approached to God, God said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet. Verse 5 of chapter 3. For the place where thou standest, holy God. Look at verse 6. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses, look what it says. Moses hid his face. For he was afraid to look upon God. I believe that we are missing a reverence and a respect to God. That's why people don't take church seriously. That's why people don't take reading their Bible seriously. That's why we don't take prayer time seriously. That's why we don't take soul winning seriously. That's why anything comes before God. Anything comes before church. Anything comes before what? If we got a real image of, the, of God, who He was, not just J.C., not just the man upstairs, not, but the Lord high, holy, and lifted up. If we got that view and we realize how holy He was, man, before you got down to pray, you take your shoes off and say, this is holy ground. Why? Not because of anything I'm doing or anything that this house is, but because God is here. God's presence is you. say, where is God in my heart? Is He indwelling in you? Why don't you, refer- why don't you have some reference for Him? See, God calls, but when God calls, He doesn't just call. He's patient. He's drawing. But He also needs to be treated with respect. I said, number one, God calls. Number two, God's compassion. I want you to see, first of all, that God's call, but I'd like you to see God's compassion. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, Moreover, He said, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse 7, look at verse 7 of Exodus chapter 3. And the Lord said, look, look what, this is what God says. And I like these verses because it's God actually speaking. Obviously we understand the whole Bible is God's word, but these are actually words that came out of God's mouth. And the Lord said in verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. And I want you to notice the last phrase of verse 7. If you don't mind writing your Bible, I maybe would underline it. This is what God said. He said, For I know their sorrows. That's very interesting to me. God is a compassionate God. You don't have to turn there, but in Hebrews the Bible tells us, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we yet without sin. Let me tell you something. There is nothing you are going through in your life. There is no situation you are going through. There is nothing. No one Understands, he's been there, he's been touched with every feeling of our 
He's lost many people he loved that went to hell because they wouldn't believe in him. He said, I've, I've been betrayed, so was Christ. Remember Judas Iscariot? He said, I, 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 I'm, I'm losing my finances or I'm losing my wealth. So did he. The Bible tells us he was homeless. The Bible says he did not. He says, the, the foxes have holes and the birds have, uh, have, have trees, but he said, I don't have anywhere to go. He was betrayed. He lost his ministry. He had a thriving ministry. John 6, they left him. There's nothing you've gone through that God hasn't gone through. There's a, you, say, you know, and I know that sounds very, uh, well, you know, is that really true? Because I read this and I think, God, do you really know what these people are going through? But He does. He says, for I know their sorrows. It's God's compassion. That's why, see, God knows what, you see, God's not going to put you through anything he, he wouldn't put Himself through. And God put Himself through it. And God knows what you're going through. And the Bible says He won't tempt us more than we're able. He says, I'm going to put pressure on you, but don't worry. I know what you can handle. God's compassion. Number three, I'd like to see God's commission. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore behold the, now therefore behold the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. I want you to notice he, he's He's bringing up the fact that the children of Israel are in bondage. He says they're oppressed. He says they're in trouble. He says he heard their cry. And he he ran through all that, and all that is in the context of verse 10. Look at verse 10. He says, come now therefore. That word therefore, he says, is referring to the last few verses. He says, because I heard the cry of the children of Israel, because I've seen their oppression, because I see that the Egyptians have oppressed them, because I know their sorrows, because I, I, I know what they're in bondage and I know what they're going... He said, because of all of that, Moses, come now therefore, and I will send thee. I want you to see God's commission. He said, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God's commission. See... Here's what you understand. God saw their bondage. God saw their affliction. God saw their oppression. And God said, Moses, because I have seen it, because I know it, because I understand it, He said, I'm going to send you. He says, come now therefore, and I will send thee. And it's the same thing today. See, you and I, God sends us. God sends us. Why? Because He's seen their end. He's seen the unsaved and their affliction and their oppression and their bondage and what they're going through. And God says, because of that, I'm going to send you. But see, Moses had a choice. Because look, look, at verse, uh, look at verse 10 again. He says, come now. Therefore. See, he's, not, he, he's saying, Moses, come on. I'm going to send you. But Moses had a choice. He could have said, no, not me, God. In fact, in the next verse, we're going to see his attempt to get out of this. In the same way, you and I can say, it doesn't matter about their affliction. It doesn't matter about their oppression. It doesn't matter that these people need to get saved. It doesn't matter that they're going to die and go to hell. God says, no, 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 come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
said, number one, I want you to see God's call. Number two, I want you to see God's compassion. Number three, I want you to see God's commission. Number four, I'd like you to see God's companionship. God says in verse 10, Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Look at verse 11. And Moses said unto God, look what he says, he says, Who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. He puts up an excuse. And he says, Who am I? Now here's the thing. I've been taught my whole life, and I'm not saying that people are wrong for saying this, but... I've been taught my whole life that Moses is putting up an excuse because he doesn't want to do it, and he's just saying, well, I can't do it. Who am I? Later on, he'll say, you know, I can't speak. Now, here's the thing. I, I don't necessarily think that Moses was doing a, a, a wrong thing here. Uh, go, go back to Acts chapter 7 real quick. Let me show you something. Let me show you the difference of 40 years. In, in Acts chapter 7, remember when Moses was living in the world? He was living in Egypt. He was a prince in Egypt. He had learned the wisdom of the Egyptians. Acts 7, look at verse uh, 24. Or let's begin reading verse 23. It says, And when he was full 40 years old, it came, to pass, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. Look at verse 25. For he supposed his brethren would have understood that God by his hand would deliver them by their... But they understood not. So when Moses was a 40-year-old man, after living his entire life in Egypt, living his entire life learning the wisdom of the Egyptians, the Bible says that he supposed that his brethren would have understood how that by his hand, that God by his hand would have delivered them. He just assumed that God was going to use them. But they understood not. Look at verse 26. And the next day he showed himself unto them as they strove and would have sent them uh, one again, saying, Sirs, you are brethren, why do ye wrong one another? But he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Now here's what I want you to understand. When Moses was a 40-year-old man and he learned the wisdom of Egypt, he just assumed, the Bible says, supposed that God was going to use him and that they would understand that. 40 years later, God actually appears to him and says, Hey Moses, I'm going to use you to bring the children of Israel out. And what's his response? Who am I? What's the difference? He was humble. You say, why, why, does, why, did God spend, why did God send Moses 40 years in the backside of the desert? Here's why. To make him humble. And, and honestly, that's the reason God puts us through anything. That's the reason God puts us through trials. That's the reason God puts us through. Often God is trying to humble us. Often try because here's the thing. God can work greater in you when you're weak. Moses, God can't use you as well. If you just assume that God's going to use you, you just suppose that they understood that God was going to... Of course God's going to use me. I've been raised by the Egyptians. I'm a prince of Egypt. I went to college and I did this and I did that. But God said, I can't use that. God says, I need you weak, Moses. I need you humble, Moses. I need to take you away from everything you know, everything you've ever had, every success you've ever had. I need to take you where nobody will see you on the backside of the desert. And 40 years from now, Moses, when I call you and I say, I'm ready to use you, Moses, your response will be, who am I? That's where God wants you. That's where God wants you. Look, go, go to uh, 2 Corinthians real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Anybody hot? Or is everybody okay? You're hot? 
You're also wearing a sweater. Anybody else hot? Anybody else hot? I'm hot. But I guess we're outnumbered, brother. Sorry. Second Corinthians chapter number 12. Look at verse 7. Let me, let me show you something. You say, I want to be used of God. Okay? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, believe verse 7. Second Corinthians 12, 7, the Bible says, Unless, this is Paul speaking, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. This is what Paul said. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Do you see that? That's a very powerful verse. Moses said, uh, Paul said, you know, God was using me in a real mighty way. God was using me in a great way. And just in case I would be exalted above measure, he said, just in case that I would, I, I, I would, my pride would maybe puff up a little bit, God gave me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me unless I should be exalted above measure. He said, God allowed Satan to, you know what the word buffet means? It means to beat up. He said, God allowed Satan to just beat me up and beat me up. And he did this, in, its, in this case, through a thorn in the flesh. I believe that was a physical disease. He had a, he had a sickness in his body. And, and Paul says, God did that to humble me. Or to keep me humble. Look at verse 8. He says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. He says, I, I, I asked God about this issue three different times. That it might depart from me. Do you see that? Paul says, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. God gave me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And I went to God three different times. I prayed three different times that God would take this away from me. That He would allow it to depart from me. Look at verse 9. What was God's response? And He said unto me, look what God said. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And and, and look look at Paul's response. I love this. What's Paul's response? He says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let me, let me explain them to you. Sometimes, you know, I, I love Wednesday night prayer time and praise the Lord for it. There's nothing wrong with that. But we got to understand what prayer, you know. Sometimes I think we have this wrong understanding that, that we need to ask God to help our lives be as comfortable as possible. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. We should pray that people get healed. And we should pray that people, you know, get problems resolved. And praise the Lord for that. But let me tell you something. Sometimes it's God's will that you're sick. Sometimes it's God's will that you're in financial hardship. Sometimes it's God's will. Sometimes God is willing that you you say, Why do I feel like Satan is buffeting me? Satan is beating me up. Sometimes God wants that. Because he's trying to keep you in the... You say, well, why does God want to humble me? Here's why. Because his strength is made perfect in weakness. The weaker you are, the stronger he is. And when you, Moses, are just supposing that God's going to use you, God says, then you get the glory. But after 40 years of being on the backside of the desert, Moses, when nobody's known you, nobody's seen you, nobody knows anything about you, Last time we saw you, you were running from the law, Moses. When, when, when I used that guy, by the way, he was humble, and he walked into Egypt, and we're going to see it, many wonders from God, ten different plagues, and all those different miracles. No one's going to say Moses did that. They're going to say God did that. Why? Because there was a very weak man, same with Paul. He said, 
unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's what's his response. He said, God, will you answer this prayer? And God said, no. He said, here's your answer, Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. Here's why. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response, see, you and I would get mad at God. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Why isn't God healing my cancer? Why isn't God helping me with this? Or why isn't God helping me with that? Why isn't God helping my children? Or why isn't God helping me with my marriage? Why isn't God doing what I want Him to do? But Paul's response was this, I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, I'd rather be sick and have the power of God in my life than be healthy and be arrogant and see His power come off my life. And you and I are more worried about being comfortable. We ought to be worried about God's hand on our life. Maybe God is doing something. Maybe God is afflicting you. Maybe God is puffing you because He's trying to make you better. Maybe He's trying to make your soul winner. Maybe He's trying to make you a, a, a student of the Bible, a Bible reader. And maybe He's trying to make you consistent in church. Maybe He's trying to make you a witness. Maybe He's got a plan. Moses, why do I have to spend 40 years on the backside of this? So that when God gives you the opportunity, you have the right attitude. What's the right attitude? Weak. Weak. Because he says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, our attitude should be, I can do all things through Christ. Not, I can do all things because I'm the prince of Egypt. No, I can do all things through Christ. Look at, look at Exodus 3. We're almost done. Look at Exodus 3. Look, look, at, look at how that works out. Look at verse 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? That I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. He says, God, God who am I that, to, to do this great work? And look at verse 12. Let me tell you something. If God was the average therapist today, or the average shrink, or psychologist, here's what he would have said to Moses. Well, Moses, you're, you're a very strong person. You have great attributes. You've got a good attitude. You've got a nice perspective in life. You'll try to build them up. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, what, that's this world philosophy. When Moses said, who am I? The, the, the therapist would have said, well, just blame your dad, Moses. It was your dad's fault. It was your mom's fault. And it was everybody's fault except your fault. But notice what God, how God answers. Because Moses has a very specific question. He says, who am I? And notice God's response, verse 12. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. See, that's God's companionship. See, God doesn't say to Moses, Moses, you can do this. God doesn't even answer the question. Because God knows, Moses, you can't do this. You're right, Moses. Who are you? That Pharaoh would let my people go. But he said, here's the difference, Moses. I will be with thee. He says, you can't do it, but with God, all things are possible. He says, with God, you can do it, Moses. And here's the thing, this is why the world's philosophy does not work. Because we go to the world, and we'll say, dear, our little counselor, I'm sad, I'm depressed, I can't do it, I can't make it, and they try to build us up. What we should be doing is building ourselves And he said, certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. See, you can't do it. Let me tell you something. You can't run your life successfully without God. Period. When do you need God? When you have this attitude. Who am I? But oftentimes God has to bring us there. Because our 
We naturally just want to be confident, and we naturally just want to be arrogant, and we naturally just want to be selfish. But we saw God's companionship. I want you to notice this real quick. We're, 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 we're done. Just by way of conclusion, look at verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Now, it's very interesting to me because, and I may be, may be wrong, but I don't think I am. This is the first time in the Bible that God is going to reveal his name to us. The only other time I can think that this happened was when Jacob was wrestling the angel of the Lord. Do you remember when the angel of the Lord was wrestling with Jacob? They wrestled all night long. And Jacob asked the angel of the Lord, you know, who, who art thou? Or, or, you know, and, he asked, and he said, you know, he pretty much just blew him off. So don't worry about that. But here we find Moses asking a very specific question to God. In verse 13 he said, what is his name? He says, they're going to ask me, you know, when, they, when I tell them that I came from your God, they're going to say, well, what's his name? And what shall I say unto them? Very interesting, because verse 14, the Bible says, And God said unto Moses, look what he says, he says, I am that I am. He says, that's my name. I, lo- I love how that's in all capital letters. He says, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Say, what's, what's so special about that name, I am? That's a weird name, I am. Only do you understand. I, I am... See, the, 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 if you think of the word M, you know, the A-M, the I-M there, it, it's, it's a present tense word. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't say, I will be. He didn't say, I was. He says, I just am. You know what that name means? He said, I am self-existing. He says, I have no beginning and I have no end. He says, without father, without mother, without beginning of days. He says, I was never created and I will never, you know, be die, die or be ungrateful. He says, I just am. I am the self-existing one. I am just alive. See, you and I are alive because God created us. But when God, when Moses said to God, who will I tell them that sent me? He just tell, he said, tell them I am that I am sent you. He said, tell them I am sent you. He said, tell them that the self-existing, the only God, the only person who exists of himself, that's who sent you. I love that. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, that's the God you serve. He said, what God? The I am, that I am. And I love it because in John, seven different times, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I am. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He said, he said, I am the vine. He, he said, I am the door. He, he said, one the way, he said, I am. And oftentimes people, the, 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 the uh, Jews would pick up stones to stone him. Why? Because they knew what he was saying. He was saying, I am God. Self-existing. Look at verse 15. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of, thy, of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. Look what he says. This is what God said. This is my name forever. What's his name? I am. He said, this is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. He says, the way you're going to memorize me or remember me is through this name, I am. He says, this is my name forever, I am. He's the first time in the Bible when somebody asks God, what is your name? He doesn't say God. He could have said God, but he doesn't say God. He doesn't say, you know... 
interesting. Go with me just real quickly. I just want to show you this and we'll be done. Go with me to the book of Psalms. Psalm 83. Psalm 83. I think it's very interesting because we have a false religion today called the Jehovah's Witnesses. You ever heard of them? I think you might. Maybe they visited your house. And here's what the Jehovah's Witnesses, here's what they emphasize. They say, God's name, His only name, is Jehovah, and we should not refer to Him as any other way. Now let me tell you something, God's name is Jehovah. But His name is also I Am. And the fact, when He asked, when he was asked, what's your name, that's the name He gave. And He said, this will be my name forever. And God has many names. Heavenly Father, I mean, you, we go through the Bible and show all the things. But here's what I think is funny. Uh, you're there in Psalm 83, look at verse 18. This is the, the verse that all the Jehovah's Witnesses use. Because they'll go to Psalm 83, 18, and they'll say, and, and they'll read that verse, and they'll say, and, and it says this, That man may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. And they'll say, see, the Bible says, that, his, that God's name alone is Jehovah. And they'll say, that's His only name. Now look, if that's true, then we find a contradiction in the Bible, didn't we? Because we just read in Exodus that He said, my name is I am that I am. He said, I am. He said, that's my name forever. So if God's name is only Jehovah, that's His only name, then we've got a problem. But that's, see, here's the problem. Here's what you understand. You said, why, why is it that a very bad decision? We read the entire chapter, and we go to so many verses, and here's why. You must 